You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. I got a text recently from someone who I, I love dearly, and uh, it had a bit of a, it was regarding an issue of spiritual uh, consequence, but it also had like a kind of a political uh, angle to it and a bit of sarcasm. Uh, I found it a little bit disturbing because um, on the other side of this was other people I care about, and uh, you know it seemed like it could be something that ca- kind of caused some conflict. So I called the person and uh, said, "Hey, tell me more of what you meant by this thing in your text." And we had a good conversation. You know, we kind of heard each other out. Uh, it ended with, you know, appreciating each other for the things that we value, seeing that maybe we see a little differently on some things. But, um, but you know, we 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 felt in total unity. And if you think I'm talking about you, uh, I am. I'm talking maybe about five of you or more, because uh, this is something that's been happening a lot, uh, where we have these things come up. And it seems like it's hard to talk about almost anything these days, uh, COVID-19 restrictions or, uh, or, or issues with the election or issues with, um, you know, uh, new, new rules or, or even racial justice or other things that are just going on without there being a political bend to them. And, uh, you know, this is something that I think we all uh, we all have issues w- that we care about deeply. We all have issues that uh, where even our, our spirituality and what we hold uh, really close to our heart informs the way that we view the world and, and the way that we think things should be different. And uh, we, we feel this tension sometimes between, um, you know, the, these these ideas and maybe what, the way that we think it ought to be and then our, our identity in Christ and our identity as disciples and and there's conflict that can arise and um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today and if, if uh, first of all I'll say that I have not arrived I've not figured it out I'm right there along with you trying to navigate all of this um, but I really appreciate Jesus and his example and we're going to be looking at Jesus today um, we're, we're doing a series right now called our God and country which really is all about uh, our relationship to these kinds of things. Um, we all love our God. We all have the same God, and, and we're in our country, either uh, United States, if you're uh, with me in my congregation, or somewhere else in the world, wherever you are, whatever your country is. And how do we relate to that country? And and uh, how does that? How do we relate to that in, as in terms of our citizenship as uh, members of the kingdom of God? And for this series last week. Our elder Andy Wingy spoke about this. His his uh, the title of his lesson was "Citizens of the Kingdom," and he talked about uh, what it means to be a part of this royal priesthood and this holy nation that God has called out of the world. And he shared personally about uh, you know his own journey and, and and kind of some some conflict he had at work where uh, you know his response to some things that were happening politically was just ah you know whatever I don't really care about that I you know I'm 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 over here and I'm kind of in in a bubble. And the, the coworker was like, hey, that's easy for you to say because this doesn't affect you. And, you know, you ought to care about this. And they had a, a bit of a conflict, but I appreciate Andy's example of going to lunch with that person and working it out and, and really hearing each other and growing from that experience. And, and uh, you know, that, that I could relate to that because I think there's part of me that wants to kind of just live in the world of the Bible or the, the, the New Testament or, or, or um, you know, the, the, the first century world and not not worry about all the stuff going on in our world right now. And yet, back then, in the first century, they had all this stuff to deal with. They had their political issues to deal with. And they brought their scriptures, the Old Testament, into 
their world at the time. And so as I think as we're going to see today, there's a lot we have in common that they had to wrestle with back then that we have to wrestle with today. Um, so as I mentioned, we're going to be looking at, at Jesus, and the title of the lesson today is A Revolutionary Answer. We're going to be looking at a familiar passage from uh, the book of Matthew. It's actually in uh, all f- uh, three of the four Gospels, um, this story. And um, we're going to be looking at, uh, at, at the way that Jesus responded to a revolutionary question and the revolutionary answer that he gave. I heard a, a lesson on this many years ago by Dr. Tim Keller. So some of the historical background I'll give will be gleaned from him. And uh, I think a lot of what he got was from the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright. Um, so giving them credit, but I think it, it gives new uh, uh, it gives new insight into these scriptures and what we can gain from them. So uh, go ahead and be turning over to Matthew 22, and uh, let's pray as we open the scriptures. God, thank you to be able to read your word. Thank you that it's available to us in our language, and uh, thank you that we could uh, learn from Jesus and his example and uh, the way that he handled some of this tension that we all feel and that we all deal with. I know that we all have these things we feel so deeply about, whether it's the rights of the oppressed or the rights of the unborn or just our relationship to the state and government's role in our lives. And uh, God, help us to be able to learn from Jesus and his example of how to uh, manage this stuff and what, what that means for our lives today as disciples in our time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so in Matthew 22, the context is a political context. Um, there was a big issue in the... Uh, in the world of the first century with the Jewish people in particular, of what their relationship was to the state. Um, it, because in, uh, well, actually, let's just read the, the beginning here, and you'll, you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. Uh, Matthew 22, verse 15, uh, it says, Then some Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. So the Pharisees and the Herodians they were on two sides of this political spectrum with regard to their relationship to the state and, and, and the conflict. And the political issue of the time was uh, how do we relate to the government? What's the government's role in, in our lives and, and how does this all work? And that's a lot of what conflict is about today, isn't it? There, there, there's still political divides in our country as to what is the role of government and, and, and all of these kinds of things. And, and are politics divided right now? I would say yes, they are very divided right now. But and, and it's nothing new. Everybody always says, "Oh, this is the worst it's ever been," and yet, uh, you know, uh, at least we're not having this happen. If you see on screen, uh, uh, in 19, 1856, one congressman was uh, caning another congressman almost to death uh, over some of these issues that had to do with states' rights and uh, slavery and the things that led to the Civil War. Um, and uh, not too many years before that, one senator killed another, uh, murdered him with a, uh, by shooting him, uh, you know. And, and so at least we're not having those kinds of things happen. But in the first century, it was a really hot topic of um, what role does Rome have to play in our lives? Because if you think about it, for the Jews, the state and their religion were one and the same. Uh, the Jewish people were called out of Egypt to be a, a new nation, to be a holy a priesthood, but, but an, an actual state uh, and, and government. And so as they looked to the future of Israel and as they looked to the Messiah and their hopes for the future, they were looking for a political Messiah. They were looking for a political future and a new state of Israel. And so here is Rome, you know, governing them and, 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 and they allowed some autonomy, but 
they, they were under this Roman occupation and Roman rule. There was Roman soldiers everywhere you look, and, and they, they couldn't do much without Rome, Rome uh, signing on to it. And so uh, there was Jewish people that said, we need to, to throw off the yoke of Rome. We need to re- have armed revolt. They were known as zealots. They wanted to, 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 to try to reinstate the Jewish nation by, uh, by armed revolt against Rome. And on the other side were those that, that thought, oh no, Rome is being used of God. It was prophesied that these different empires would rule before the reign of the Messiah. And, and so Rome has given us peace and Rome allows us to you know, lead, lead quiet lives. And there's good things about Rome and, and so we need to support Rome. And, and there was political tensions there. And so what's happening in this uh, story, the Pharisees and the Herodians come to Jesus with a question and they're trying to, it says, trap him in his words, verse 15. They're trying to catch him in this political argument. So they, they ask him, verse, verse 16, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. They're trying to butter him up a little bit. I don't know that they really felt this way about him. It's more like, yeah, we know that you aren't afraid to come come forward with your own opinion, Jesus. We know you're not swayed by these different political things. We want to know where you stand. We want to know what you stand for. And verse 17, tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites! Why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, and here's the revolutionary answer, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. So it helps to understand Jesus' answer by understanding the question, the revolutionary question they were asking. Um, they were, the, the tax that is being referred to is a particular tax with this denarius. Uh, it was a head tax on uh, all, all the, the, the people that Rome was ruling, kind of as a, as a gift to Caesar for the privilege of belonging to his nation, that, that he was lord and king. What the, it says on the denarius, and here's a picture of it, uh, the actual inscription says, Tiberius Caesar, son of the god Augustus, high priest. So it's calling th- th- this individual king, son of God, and high priest. And so the, the, this tax was very unfavorable with the Jews. It had been instituted just about 25 years earlier before this point that we're reading about. And here's some interesting background. Uh, when this tax was instituted, there was an armed revolt led by a man named Judas the Galilean. He called on all the Jews to refuse this tax. And with an armed band of men, he went into the temple and cleansed the temple in Jerusalem of all the outsiders and, and the, the, uh, the Gentiles. And, and, and he, with this uh, cleansing of the temple and with this armed revolt, he was calling on uh, all Jews to welcome in the new kingdom rule, uh, that, that God, God's Messiah, messianic rule. And of course, what, what, what happened instead of the Messiah coming is uh, Judas the Maccabean was, or Judas the Galilean was attacked and caught and executed and it was all over. So Jesus here comes on the scene 25 years later and he's talking about the kingdom of God. All his stories are about the kingdom and, 
and uh, his analogies, constantly giving analogies of, of the kingdom of God. His main message is this new kingdom and that is at hand, he says, is about to happen. And then Jesus comes uh, into the temple and he cleanses the temple of the money changers and those who are trying to take advantage of people. He doesn't have an armed rebellion, but he, he does cleanse the temple, much like uh, Judas the Galilean did. And so now he's just done this. And so now the question is, okay, well, where do you stand on this tax? This is the tax that that has had led to this other revolution. So the really the real question is, Jesus, are you a revolutionary? If you say, yes, we need to pay the tax, then you're saying, okay, we need to go along with Roman rule and, and we need to submit to those authorities and, 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 you know, pay homage to the state. If you say, no, we shouldn't pay the tax, then you're you're for armed revolt and you're for throwing off the yoke of the of Roman rule, and you, you know, you're on this side. Where do you come down, Jesus, on this side? And the interesting, on this side or this side, the interesting thing is he doesn't really give a side. He, he gives an answer, but it's, it's by looking to a deeper reality and a deeper truth. And in his answer, it's interesting that he uh, uses a different word. He changes, the original question is, should we give Caesar taxes? And that word give in the Greek is give as a gift, as an offering to Caesar. And he changes that word to render or give back, kind of like pay back what he deserves, pay back what he's owed. So it's like, you know, is, is Caesar's inscription on this coin? Yes. Is his image on this coin? Yes. Uh, okay, it's his money. Give him back his money. It's his anyway. He has all the money in the world. But reject his system. Reject ultimate allegiance to him because he says, give to God what is God's. So he, he, he doesn't really do either. He doesn't say uh, we need to give taxes or we need to pay taxes, we need to not pay taxes. He says, yes, Caesar can have his coins, but God, give to God what is God's. And that's the revolutionary answer and the one takeaway I want you to, to gain from our look at the scripture today is give to God what is God's. Think about that. What is God's? Isn't it everything? Isn't it all creation? Isn't it your heart and your devotion and your worship? Uh, and, and everything that you are and, and do. Uh, and so it's, he's talking about really a revolutionary idea, or, or Jesus is a revolutionary, but a different kind of revolutionary, isn't he? I want to read this quote from Michael Burns, and I've been reading this book lately called Escaping the Beast by Michael Burns. I thought of even using that as the lesson title, Escaping the Beast, but it was such a uh, kind of dramatic, apocalyptic uh, title, I thought a revolutionary answer might be better, but it's a great book. So Michael Burns, if you don't know him, uh, he's a teacher in our fellowship of churches who um, has taught for many years now on the topic of racial justice and uh, and racial conversations. He uh, married a black woman and has two boys who, I, uh, are, I don't know how old they are now, but they might be young men, but they uh, identify as black and uh, and so he is white, but he has a black family. And so he, he wrestles with these, uh, and he's in Minneapolis, which has like been the headquarters of uh, a lot of racial tension over the last decade or so. And um, so as a teacher in that church, uh, Michael Burns is, has really ministered to his church, but also to so many of the rest of us with his writings and his teachings on racial re- reconciliation. And um, his books have before this have not been political. They've been really just about how, how do we look at race through the, the lens of, of the scriptures. And, uh, but as he's talked about race and as he's talked about you know, racial justice and some of these issues, it all always turns political. It's been his experiences. He's traveled to many, many cities and many places. And so that's what caused him to write this book, which is a very political book. 
Escaping the Beast. But it's not a political book in the way that you think it is. It's more about uh, how do we handle politics as a person of faith. And there's things in it I agree with. There's things I'm not sure I agree with. There's It's good things to wrestle with. Um, so uh, some of the ideas I'm sharing today are from his book, and I would recommend it to you. Um, but here's a quote from the book about this uh, story that we're in right now, this, this moment. It says, Jesus flips the Pharisees' game. He appeals to Genesis 1, which teaches that humans were made in God's image to represent him fully with every part of their lives and who they are. That is what is important to God. He also appeals to the coin with Caesar's image imprinted on it. That is what is important to Caesar. So there's a contrast there. If Caesar wants his little coin with his image on it, that's part of his realm, so give it to him. But God wants our devotion. He wants us to be restored to his presence and realm. We should be focused on giving that to him. So that will inform how we engage with these these issues that we care about. Engaging with them in the context of give to God what is God's. There are these images, these issues that we care about deeply, and if you think about yourself as being an image bearer of God, made in the image of God, yes, Caesar, that coin, that's his, that's made in his image, but I am made in the image of God. That informs how you view these these different situations that uh, these different issues that do come from faith. Uh, you know, is there a, a case to be made in Scripture that we should care for our environment and care about what happens uh, with this world? I would say, yes, there, there is a case to be made for that and, and, and the way that that affects people. And, um, you know, the, the, in the book of Genesis with Adam or Noah, you know, the, this caring for God's creation is a, is a big issue. The rights of the unborn. Uh, the Bible says to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and a, a fetus certainly can't speak for themselves. Um, so so that uh, can be an issue. Our relationship with the state Racial justice, globalism, our, our, our relationship with other nations, the needs of the poor, the needs of the immigrant, the rule of law. I mean, so many different things, the responsible use of finances by our government. You know, a lot of us can kind of have whatever is our pet issue or our thing that we think this is the real thing, and all Christians should think like this. And yet there can be Christians that maybe they, they're kind of swayed by this other issue and so on. And so... If you have the, 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 the stance of give to God what is God's and I'm an image bearer of God, that kind of helps you to have the right perspective. And, and what, what ultimately that's going to lead you to is the Jesus way. The Jesus revolution happens through the Jesus way. Jesus modeled for us giving to God what is God's. Think of the irony here. You have two men claiming to be a king, one who has all the coins in the world belong to him and one who has nothing. Uh, not even a denarius to pull out of his pocket and say, hey, look at this denarius. He's got to ask people, hey, does anybody have a denarius so I can make my illustration here? Jesus uh, gave up the values of the world to be a different kind of king. Uh, when he brings in his kingdom with his teaching about uh, on, in the, the, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7 or in Luke 6, he talks about an upside down kingdom where the values of the world are turned on their head. There are, we don't have time to, to look there, but if you look into Luke 6, you'll find four values there. Power, success, comfort, and recognition. Those are the things that the world values. And yet Jesus turns those values upside down. He says, blessed are those who don't have power. Blessed are those who don't have success, who don't have comfort, who don't have recognition. That's who the kingdom 
belongs to. The kingdom doesn't belong to the power brokers, the, the Caesars, the, 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 the people who, um, you know, it looks like are in control. The kingdom of God belongs to just you and me and kind of ordinary uh, people, the people on the margins, the oppressed, the people who've been shut out of, of uh, society or the people who haven't had the opportunities maybe that others have. That's who the kingdom belongs to, Jesus says. And so he turns those things on his on their heads. And if you think about it, those are really the things that Satan tempted Jesus with, didn't he? With power, with success, with comfort, with recognition. And Jesus turned down those things and went instead the Jesus way. See, it's only when you escape the desires for those things are you free to help others and, and serve others and really uh, have the kingdom value system. And Jesus does certainly call us uh, to share his value system, to give to God what is God's. Uh, what about you? Are you willing to deny yourself? Are you willing to carry your cross? Are you willing to live the Jesus way, even when it comes to these different issues? Are you willing to make him Lord of your life? Uh, Jesus definitely calls us to a commitment, and uh, he calls us to have that same Jesus way. He says, if you want to follow me, you got to carry your cross and follow me. Uh, you got to deny yourself every day. It's a decision, not just a one-time decision, but an everyday decision to let go of those things, the, the things of the world, the things of empire, and instead live the way of Jesus. Uh, Jesus demands uh, allegiance to no other Lord except him. Even the concept of Jesus is Lord, that, that's a subversive concept in the first century. Because the Caesars came along and they, they demanded Caesar worship. And they, Caesar is Lord was a mantra of the Roman Empire. So when, when the Christians would declare Jesus is Lord, they were, they were borrowing that or stealing that from Caesar and say, no, Jesus is Lord. Uh, when they would make that public declaration before witnesses, before they got baptized, they were doing something that was subversive to the state in a way. But it was a spiritual kingdom. It was a spiritual empire. It was a spiritual rule of, of Jesus not the, the, the rule of, of this world. So when it comes to, you know, giving up everything, when it comes to being willing to live the Jesus way, when it comes to giving to God what is God's, we all mess up. We all uh, fall short. And that's why we all need to have a humble posture towards others. Um, we're all fallen people, right? We're all just trying to, to find our way through this, and Jesus is our Lord, and we can look to him as we go through this time. And so before we take communion, I want to look at one more example of, of uh, kind of in, an interaction between uh, two sides of, of an argument, if you will, or, uh, and see, you know, how Jesus uh, looked at this. Look over in, in Luke 18, and we're going to look at a, a, a Pharisee and a tax collector. So the tax collectors, we've talked a little bit about taxes here today and kind of our relationship to the state. And so you picture in, in, in Jewish society, they saw themselves as a people, a, a, a nation. It was a political identity that they had as well as a religious identity, but a political identity. And so here's the Romans who are ruling over them. And so the tax collectors, they made it their job. They're a Jewish person whose job it was to, to take collect taxes from their neighbors and their friends and their you know fellow Jews and then pass that on to Rome. And uh, they were no small amounts of taxes that they would uh, pull from them. And by the way, they would also line their pockets along the way with a little extra and, and become rich and wealthy in the process. That's who tax collectors were. So you can imagine they were hated by the Jewish people as uh, traitors to the Jewish nation. And uh, just, you know, trying to line themselves with, line their pockets with money stolen from their fellow Jews. 
And so when Jesus gives this story here in Luke chapter 18, he says in verse 11, uh, sorry, verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So right there, when Jesus sets up this story, in the Jewish mindset, you're going, okay, Jesus, I get it. There's a good guy and there's a bad guy. The good guy, who's that? The Pharisee, the man of holiness, the man dedicated to the scriptures, you know, the man who, who worships Yahweh, our God, and, and, and believes in our Jewish nation. Who's the, who's the bad guy? The scummy tax collector who is a traitor to the Jewish nation. He's in league with the Romans and he's just, he cares only about himself and, and lining his own pockets at the expense of his own people. So it's automatically set up to be the good guy and the bad guy. But then how does Jesus continue with the story? It says in verse 11, The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will will be, exhaust, be exalted and, and exa- exhausted probably too. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I share this story because I think when we give to God what is God's, when we have a humble posture, we realize that we're a sinner. And that puts us, puts us in the right uh, frame of mind towards the other, whatever the other means for you. Uh, you know, in this case, the other was the tax collector. And that was very much in the Jewish mindset of the, the sinners and the tax collectors. Ah, they're... They're scummy. They're they're this. They're that, and and it's easy for us to you know because we we're, we're separated, removed from this by by time and space and distance and culture to kind of you know go oh well I'm not like the Pharisee and yet how often do we say you know oh thank you that I'm not like these Republicans or like these Democrats or like these uh, you know extreme right people that believe these conspiracies or or like these loony leftists that just want to do this or want to do that. You know, these profilers, these BLMers, these LGBTQ crusaders, or whoever it is that you consider the other, you tend to demonize. And, and uh, you know, maybe it's political, maybe it's other issues, but you have certain people, certain groups that you, that you uh, tend to, 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 to demonize and look down on. I know there's certain people that maybe even just seeing a picture of them uh, causes you to have kind of a, a visceral response. You know, you think of somebody like AOC or you think of somebody like Ted Cruz or Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell or these people that, you know, they're, they're firebrands. They just, you know, people get fired up about uh, certain people and, and social media gets fired up and Twitter gets fired up about certain people. And, and I would just encourage you to, uh, to, to, if there's anybody that, that holds that place in your, in your thought or your mental place where you just kind of get ticked off about this person. What does Jesus say to do for our enemies? To pray for them. Uh, Jesus says to, I think even with this story, to not look down on other people. Yes, that person is a sinner, but newsflash, you're a sinner too. And, you know, sometimes we tend to judge others uh, by you know, how their actions affect us. And, and you know, we, we hold them so much to a high accountability. And yet ourselves, we judge ourselves by our intentions. And, you know, I didn't mean to do that or I mean to do that. And, and we consider other, you know, that 
automatically judge other people's intentions. I think it's a great thought uh, ex uh, exercise just to even uh, consider maybe uh, assigning good intentions to someone that you even disagree with. Yeah. Maybe one of those politicians that I showed on screen, but you know, instead of demonizing that person you disagree with, go, you know what, I think they really do uh, want to help the country, or I think they really do think that what they think is best for the nation is, they, they really do are, are, are uh, maybe they're motivated by, uh, by good, good intentions. They, it could be. Uh, and you go, no, no, there's no way. They just want to, all they care about is power, all they care about is money, all they care about is lining their own pockets or whatever. Hey, just remember, Jesus' good guy in this story is the tax collector who's doing those very things. So we got to be careful with uh, who we look down on. Uh, you know, trust God, assume the best uh, in people. That's what Paul did. That's what Peter did in their society. You know, even saying that 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 Caesar's in control and and that's okay because because we're going to give to God what is God's. And so as we take communion today, I just want to encourage you to uh, have this prayer on your heart, uh, that the the tax collector prayer. God have mercy on me, a sinner. We all are sinners in need of, of God's grace. And, and when we have that uh, as our, uh, you know, basic understanding of, of who we are, not that we're down on ourselves, but like, man, I, I am so thankful that I have that opportunity to be forgiven of my sin. I'm so thankful that I have a Savior, that I have a Lord that's not of this world, that I'm a part of a kingdom that's not of this world, an alternate society, a different way of viewing uh, this state and this nation and, you know, whatever your context is in, um, the, the kingdom of God is an alternate society. It's a city within a city. It's an invisible kingdom where we all give to God what is God's. You know, I love this church. I love our fellowship. I love even this time that we've been in, how we've been able to grow in our understanding of one another. In my own uh, Zoom Bible talk, we've been meeting for Bible discussions over Zoom every week, and we've been able to talk through differences that we have, maybe in perspective uh, even political, uh, that maybe have a political shade to them and knowing that we come from different perspectives, but our unity is found in Christ and in respect for one another, mutual respect for each other, and, and, and we value each other. Um, we were discussing Andy's lesson on our Zoom call this last week, and it was just touching to hear people share about each other, to hear Diane uh, Symbol share that uh, Katrina McKinley is my treasured possession. That's how she feels about Katrina in her heart. Uh, that's what we offer the world is a, is a different way, the Jesus way, where we give to God what is God's. Yeah, let Caesar have his coins, uh, but we kind of stay at arm's width, our arm's length from that power and that success and all that stuff that the world looks looks for. We engage with society with the things we care about, but but ultimately we give to God what is God's, and our primary allegiance and our total allegiance is to to Him, our Lord and Savior. So with that, let's uh, pray for communion. God, thank you for the opportunity to, to share in the body and blood of Christ. Uh, thank you for uh, the forgiveness that is found through his body and blood. Um, thank you that he was willing to, to go the way of the cross, that he was willing to take a humble posture and empty himself of power and uh, empty himself of, of wealth and, and become poor for our sakes and even go to the cross. Uh, I pray that you'd bless our time of remembering his body and blood uh, that was given for us. And I pray if any are not in a relationship with him right now, that we would take steps to, 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 to find uh, uh, that mercy and to have that mercy by becoming uh, a, a disciple of Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, 
please visit southbaychurch.us. 